Real quick before we start the show, just wanted to let you guys know you can get the show two days early by joining our Patreon. Even for a buck, you can listen to the show two days early. Go to patreon.com slash analog talk and we got a bunch of stuff over there. Check it out and uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today on the show, we have Pano K from Photogenic Supply. Hey Pano. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yes, we are obviously super excited to finally have you on the show. You finally caved. We're very excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) For our listeners who may not know who you are and what you do, do you mind giving us a background on yourself and how you got into photography? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Pano. I um, grew up in Greece and I came to the U.S. to go to college back about 20 years ago. And I have always been a photographer or interested in photography. Um, like a lot of people, uh, I got my first camera from my grandfather when I was a mm. teenager and I still have it and I still use it. Um, <laughs> and so that's that's kind of where I started. And then um, I'm sure we'll get into this, but I currently run Photogenic Supply, which is a small studio that makes gifts and accessories and items for photographers. What was the camera that your grandfather Yeah, gave you? we always like, anytime <laughs> anybody says like, oh, I got a camera, we're like, wait. Yeah, so it was, um, it, it is a Canon A1. Um, oh, my nice. mom had been given an AE1, so I also had that growing up um, from my grandfather. But I focused on the A1, which I preferred. And basically, just all of kind of middle school and high school, I took a lot of film photos, um, took film classes. I would bring it along with me whenever I traveled, um, went some tri- on some trips during high school, and took some photos. And then in college, I kind of became even more into it. I took some photo classes. Um, I eventually got to the point where I was pulling all-nighters in the darkroom. Um, oh, <laughs> um, and so I was kind of like the guy who always – has a camera with him because uh for me there you know uh, isn't really a point in traveling somewhere if you don't have a camera and you know some people say oh that's kind of weird can't you just enjoy being there and i'm like yes i i greatly enjoy being there but i can't enjoy it if the camera is not there right. too oh, <laughs> it's funny because i just got back from a trip and i had my three cameras that I brought and it was like we're going to a wedding and I was like my husband's like I don't think you need all those it's gonna be dark I'm like well okay I won't I won't I'll just bring <laughs> the one and then I was like I'm just gonna bring them all and if I don't use them then then I'll not use them but if I have them and, and like you know it's like if I if I don't have them and I want them I'm gonna be very upset <laughs> yeah yeah I think it's a little bit like a cross between like a drug that we're all addicted to and a, secu- oh, yeah. and a security blanket you know you kind of need to have it yeah. there but I, I think it comes from a real place where where we've all been somewhere where we didn't have it for some reason or the battery died or whatever it is and we missed that shot and you kind of never forget the shots that you missed. They literally it will haunt you. <laughs> so yes. you just got to bring it with you to be happy. And that's so, so true. I, I, I tell the story I think a million times on this show of the car that was pulled over that was like on fire and <laughs> I did not have my camera. Like, and even before then I had my camera with me wherever I go all the time and that was
was the one time I was like, I'm going to run down to the store real quick. I don't yep. need it. And I even kind of doubled back to go get it. And I was like, come on, you know, this is a little much that you need to <laughs> walk a half a mile back to your house to get your camera bag. And lo and behold, there they were. It was the perfect photograph. Yeah. And I like that security blanket analogy. I'm going to use that more. Yeah, that's great. Because then people will understand it more, I think. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Did you study photography in college? No, I actually studied economics um, because I was... Oh, very different. Yeah. <laughs> I was really interested in like how all that stuff works. I didn't know anything about it. My my mother is a teacher and my father was an artist. So I didn't know a lot about economics and business and how all that stuff works. So I kind of wanted to learn more about that. Um, but I ended up hating it actually. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a bad idea. I should have just done photography because I was taking photo classes all the time anyway. I should have just majored in that. That, but you know, live and learn. I feel like as a creative person, that makes perfect sense that economics wasn't your yeah, thing. You yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, I just uh, I kept taking photos in college. I worked, uh, uh, you know, like I mentioned, the darkroom a lot and printing. This was obviously back when digital was not widespread. Mm. Um, and then I graduated college. Started working in a finance company, actually, because, again, I thought that's what I was interested in. Um, but I kept taking pictures all the time. It would be like I'd work 9 to 5. It wasn't really 9 to 5. It was like 8 to 7. But anyway, on the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the weekends, I would just go out and take pictures. I'd bike somewhere and take pictures. I'd travel, visit friends, take a bus. I was living in Boston at the time, so I'd take a bus down to New York and walk around and take pictures. And oh, So it was man. really always about the photography, kind of always, uh, you know, ever since that first 13-year-old uh, getting a, a film camera, my life has always been about being passionate about photography. And um, I've traveled a little bit, been to like South America and Asia and Europe, and I always do it because of the photography. Like, you know, I, yeah, I want to yeah. see the things, but I want to photograph mm -hmm. them is more important. So, and you know, Chris, you were talking about bring the three cameras. I mean, I, I usually bring three cameras with me nowadays. Um, but when I was at one point I was in um, China for a few months, I was doing a study abroad and I, this was probably pretty dumb, but I like literally had a full DSLR with like multiple L lenses and like batteries and backup batteries and like external hard drives. And I was like carrying that yeah. around with me all over China, like on overnight trains <laughs> um, because I was obsessed and everyone who was with me was like, what are you doing? That's like, you know, 25 pounds of gear. And I was like, yeah, well that's, that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I do shoot both film and digital. The way I describe it is like the first 10, 15 years, I only shot film. Then I went over to digital in about uh, 2000, six seven i started shooting uh exclusively digital because by that point i remember being in boston and trying to get film developed and, and they would mm -hmm. tell me stuff like okay we're, we got to ship it to new york and we'll have it back in like a month and a half wow. and i was like are you kidding me like this is crazy Whoa. so i just switched to, to full digital um and then kind of shot only digital for about 10 years and then the past six or seven years i've basically done both um and even started doing about five years ago started doing like instant um i have like an instax wide um obsession oh, nice. too so when i say i bring three cameras i'm usually bringing like my canon uh 5d mark ii 2008 technology rock on <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and i have my canon a1 uh 35 millimeter film and then i bring like my lomo instant wide um as well so it's a little bit much to be juggling all three cameras all the time but it's also uh, what's really interesting is you 
definitely get very different photos with each one. So, oh yeah, for sure. Come back from sure. like a, say a family trip and you're like showing people the photos and they're like, whoa, the, you know, the instant photos are just very different than the digital than the film. And you're like, yeah, I know. That's why I bring all three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I always love, I, I have to have a, like an Instax or a Polaroid. It's mostly my SX70. I usually have that in my book bag because it's a really easy one to kind of squeeze in a little nook of my camera bag but I think it's really important especially when you're shooting around or people that don't really know that technology that didn't grow up in that era of you know Polaroids were kind of like a a thing of our generation you know what I mean like that was always Christmas or a birthday party like there was always Polaroids there and to have that to show people who and old people love when you pull out an instant camera like older people I shouldn't say old people but they're just like (laughs) I remember those you know (laughs) one of those things I feel like the older people are are always surprised that they're still around they're like I thought that died long ago and you're like no Mm -hmm. we're we're still here (laughs) yep it's a testament to film though like how how long I I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it hasn't been around that long. But like in our generations, you know, film has always kind of been there. I feel like it has. It has, at least in my lifetime. I always I like I love hearing people's like we we learned on film and Mm -hmm. then the digital wave came and then now we're we're all going back to it. There's but there's a lot of younger people who are getting into this just shooting film or just shooting digital seeing like if they find their way to the other medium you know like what that journey is like be interesting yeah i i think i mean obviously there's like been infinite things said and written about you know film versus digital and and all that stuff and i don't really want to spark a flame more of any kind (laughs) um (laughs) i i will just say that you know the simple fact that when you that i think abundance is not always uh the path towards a higher quality and so right. as someone who shot only film and then shot only digital and then went back to shooting both, I can say that I definitely shoot differently when I'm shooting film. And whether it's the quality of the grain or the tones or whatever it is, I, I do tend to love my film photos more. And that I think For sure. it's great to see a new generation discover that passion of like going out there and trying to make a incredible, you know, every one of the 36 frames be great which of course is impossible but you still try um <laughs> yeah yeah and, and also i mean I, I have to mention i you know I've, I've been um a photography educator and also run like some uh photo walks and stuff but i've been teaching like photo one-on-one lessons for about eight years now and it's really interesting how a lot of new newbies quote unquote uh you know they get a digital camera or whatever and they think that oh now i have this camera i can take a million pictures and they're high megapixels mm-hmm. and all that and it's really yeah. interesting to watch them discover that like that's not going to help them take better pictures <laughs> the right. only thing that's going to help them take better pictures is putting in the time to learn how to take better pictures um, 100%. And yeah. so, you know, I think there is definitely uh, kind of a tension between modern technology and what the companies that make cameras have sold and need to sell to, you know, stay in business and what, as an artist, what it takes to improve your own art for yourself. You know, I think just Damn. like infinite repetition of something oh, that's kind of quick and easy, it doesn't necessarily get you better photos. No. Or spraying and praying. Yeah, that's yeah. like the worst possible <laughs> approach to photography. Right. <laughs> Don't spray and pray right. ever. <laughs> I was super guilty of it. And I feel like anytime I grab a digital camera, I'm super guilty of it. Like it gives you that okay in your mind when you shoot a digital camera that you can take three of the same 
for no reason. You know, it's like, pop, pop, pop. Okay. I (laughs) know I got it in one of those, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's just, yeah. I remember spraying and praying when I really didn't know what I was doing. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was really praying (laughs) more than spraying. (laughs) (laughs) But now I I think, I think shooting film kind of like, I mean, it depends on the situation. Uh, what what I'm shooting, but if I'm you know doing doing like porches or something, I I know I don't need to take a hundred. Like I can really like slow down and and be intentional about my images. And I think that a lot of it is because I'm used to having to do that with film. So I think that's kind of a, a reward of of being a film photographer. Yeah, that's yeah. actually what I was you know? about to say. Is that weirdly when I started shooting film again six or seven years ago, I started taking fewer digital photos, even when I was only using my digital yep. camera. And so I think it actually affects the way you think about uh, pr- how the way you approach photography uh, for the better, in my opinion. But I, I also just want to say like, you know, as someone who has like led various photo groups and done fo- a lot of photo lessons for people, I mean, I, I want to be clear, like I'm not elitist about anything. Like there are many different types of photography. There are many different approaches to photography and obviously we're on the analog talk podcast so we're going to focus on <laughs> on film but there's nothing wrong with pursuing photography in whatever way you want to pursue it i think that's always been a guiding principle for me is Absolutely. some people literally just walk around with their phones and and that's their only camera and yep. that's fine as long as you're passionate yep. about it and you're investing time and energy into getting better at it you know it doesn't it doesn't matter um there's no like exclusivity and everyone has their own preferences uh, you know I, i'll also say that you know for those who shoot only film or sorry only digital you know there's something to be said for the benefits of technology for example you know sports photos if you're oh, if you're a professional like insane. football photographer or baseball photographer back in the days when it was only film i mean that was brutal you were like blowing yeah. through tons and tons of film hoping to catch that one shot and now right. with 10 frames per second or 15 frames per second or whatever you can get, do your job much better and much more efficiently yeah. right. so there's absolutely applications and instances where you know digital just uh, there's no other way to do it. So I just want, yeah, I just wanted to say like, for me, photography is whatever you're passionate about. Uh, and uh, there's no such thing as the one is better than the other. There's different things for different, different strokes for different folks. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tool. I mean, it's a tool. Yeah. Yep. So Pano, how did uh photogenic supply come to be? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, in, 2015, I was running a DSLR lens rental service. So I was renting oh, out cool. lenses for yeah. people who have interchangeable lenses. And I went to a show called Photo Plus Expo, which many of you might mm-hmm. be familiar, many of your listeners might be familiar. It's in uh, New York City uh, typically every year. And it's, uh, I think, the largest uh, photo show in the world or in the Western Hemisphere. It's, it's very large. It's like 30,000 people, yeah. three days. And I had a booth there for my lens rental business. And I had printed a couple shirts that my friend had made, like designed for me. And like over the course of three days, I talked to like several hundred people and like no one cared about the equipment rental and everyone was asking about the t-shirts. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Oh, wow. That's funny. <laughs> you know, I paid a bunch of money to have this booth and no one cares yeah. about what I'm doing, but they really interested in the t-shirts. So, huh, so that's actually where the idea came from. So that was 2015. So basically that fall, uh, the next couple of months after that show, because it's usually in October, I was like, you know what? There's maybe there's something here. What if I 
come up with some t-shirt designs and focus a lot on like a kind of a well thought out, clever, high quality design and on a nice high quality garment and kind of do it right, if you will. And so basically worked on that with my friend who had designed the original batch. Uh, his name is Alex and we've worked together ever since. We came up with the first 10 designs. We, I put together a website and we launched in, well, I think it was uh, July 1st, 2016. And the name was Tog Tees, which some people might have heard of. Um, so we were called Tog Tees for the first five years. And then uh, honestly, it was a name that I had just kind of picked because it was quick, easy to remember, uh, available URL and so on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then over time, I just came to really dislike it because from the very first six months, we were doing more than t-shirts. We had gotten into hoodies and hats and some other stuff. Right. And so for a long time, it was in my mind, like not applicable, but it was still easy and memorable. And a lot of the people that you know were buying from us knew the name. So I was hesitant to change it, but then uh, last year, we completely renamed to Photogenic Supply. Um, there's actually a whole long blog post on our website about why that name was chosen and what it means. Um, the short version is that uh, the word photogenic itself is a very interesting word. It, it comes from the Greek, uh, photogenis, but it did not exist in Greek. Uh, so there's a name for words that get borrowed from other languages ah. where they didn't exist. Anyway, it was originally a French word. Um, photogenique, which came from photogenis. And anyway, and it's, it's a whole long thing. <laughs> wow, you can read all wow, about it. Wow. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's on the blog post, but the idea is that <laughs> photogenic means, uh, create, created or creating light. Uh, photo is, force is light and genic is like generator. Um, so the idea was that our designs are inspired by photography and photography is created by light. And so, we're both inspired by photography and inspiring the creation of things. And so that's kind of where the name came from. And yeah, we changed the name last year and I'm happy to talk about all the various different things we do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd like to get into it because I feel like you guys do a lot. And I, I think yeah. for, for someone who like, you know, loves this community, seeing a store just for photographers that's all stuff that we all nerd out about you know like you can get a coaster as a shutter and you can get a film in a glass like it's just the best you know yeah, yeah. is a lot of that stuff your brainchild or, or does alex help you with like hey i got an idea like how, how does what's the creative process aside from like working with somebody like us where we we say we we have this desert island question that we talk about and like can you make a shirt out of it like what about the rest of it yeah uh, that's a good question um so alex and i have been working together uh since before talk to you so it's probably been about six or seven years now so we work really well together in the sense that he understands when i come to him with an idea about something and also like he knows what kind of ideas I'm looking for. So he brings his own ideas to the table. So the short answer is we design everything in house between the two of us. Uh, so any, wow. any product that you see, we came up with, we work with various local and U S based manufacturers to make the product. So like our screen printers are here in Philadelphia uh, they have been since the beginning. So we've printed, you know, thousands and thousands of shirts with them. Um, our hats and, and embroidered hoodies, like 
the one that Chris has. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's wearing it right now. <laughs> Those are all embroidered here in Philadelphia. Um, and then, you know, most of the stuff we make is, is either done here locally or, or somewhere else in the USA. And that was an, a deliberate decision from the beginning, actually, for kind of a weird reason. Um, so my, my mom was like a scientist. She's a, she was a science teacher, but she studied like botany and biology. So I was always kind oh, of like, awesome. I was always kind of like a tree hugger from, from a young age. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Had to be. Um, you know, my philosophy was kind of like, if you could make something somewhere nearby and not uh, ship it across the ocean, if you don't have to, then that's better. Um, and so that's kind of the root for that. And then of course, with the recent like global supply chain issues, it's actually turned out to be a great thing because we don't make anything in overseas right now and so it's that's good for us because we don't have to wait for things to arrive which is great although of course it's a global supply chain shortage so there's you know raw material shortages and all sorts of other shortages that are are affecting us but but yeah so the the short answer is uh we design everything we come up with everything uh and we when we're working with like a partner like with the shirts we did for analog talk for you guys we have a process where we've done a bunch of those at this point and so we know how to kind of make it a process that will be successful we come with some specific kind of out outline of the process and how it's going to work and we give the partner like some things to think about and to come to us with before we talk and and so we know how to come up with some cool ideas um, and make something interesting and unique and high quality by focusing on what we've done so far, which is doing that, coming up with unique designs and making sure that they're done right. And I think you guys saw during the process, like, you know, there were a couple times when maybe you said, hey, we want to do this. And I, I told you why we, you know, wouldn't, shouldn't do that because it might not come out the way you think. And then it wouldn't be as high quality as, you know, we want yeah. or whatever. So that's kind of like when anybody does anything, it's important to be careful about like over-promising. Like you could be like, oh yeah, sure. And then it comes out mm-hmm. and nobody likes it. Or it, you're, you know, having the, you know, you've done, like you said, you've done this for a while, so you know what works. So we were taking everything you said as like, you're, you're, you know what you're doing. We, we're just here to like go along for the ride. So, but I think that is important to like, like I said, when you're doing anything to do it right. Yeah. And, and if I can, I'll just talk a little bit about like how we come up with new products and how we work on new ideas. I mean, the, the guiding principle is always number one, can we make it be high quality? And so, you know, there's a million things out there we could do super cheaply and and easily, but that doesn't mean that we want to do them. So the the first question is, can we make a really high quality version of whatever it is we're trying to do? Um, And then the second question is like, will it be authentic? Will it be legitimate? We, at this point, have created over 50 different t-shirt designs. And, you know, there's a lot of really cheap t-shirts available all over the internet that are about all sorts of things, photography, right. cameras, dogs, pets, whatever you want it to be about. Um, and what you'll <laughs> notice, you know, if you, if you kind of dig in a little bit, you'll notice that all of our designs are kind of have a lot of thought put into them. Um, and there's attention yeah. to detail and, you know, someone who knows about photography or who's really familiar with film photography and stuff like that might, might notice that by, by looking at the designs, but on the surface, maybe, you know, to someone who doesn't know, they just, they look at some of our shirts and then they look at some shirts on Amazon or whatever. And they're like, okay, you know, what's the difference? But I think for the people that have ordered from us, which is lots of people (laughs) at this point, they appreciate that. And that's why they keep coming back and and ordering more. And so, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
you guys have a definite a definite style though like when i see your t-shirts they are very cohesive like it's 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 like there's a you know it was great because when we were talking about us working with you when we did our partnership with the 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 shirts it was like we couldn't wait we were super excited because we loved how the uh, restore from backup stuff came out Mm -hmm. and then you know just me doing research on the company before we had our meeting and all that stuff I was like oh yeah this is totally like what we're into you know and it's just cool I like that you have a like I don't want to call it like a theme or something or like aesthetic. that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There's just like a. I think you know, part of the problem here is that I, I I'm like a unconfessed artist at heart. That's that's part of the problem. So you know I think every artist has their direction and their style and their theme and whatnot, yeah. and we definitely have ours. And there's no, uh, you know, I'm not saying it's the only way to do things or it's the best one or anything like that. I, you know, I would probably characterize our style as sort of like clean and minimalist maybe Um, and the that's for a number of reasons i mean one is that i personally prefer that style and and alex does as well but the other reason is that it is easier to make sure that your end product is of higher quality if you don't throw in a bunch of things that can mess you up along the way so you know, people think that t-shirt printing is pretty simple and it is. I mean, it's been done for a long time, but it's there's also a lot of ways to mess it up. So, sure. for example, if you have a five or six color design, it's really easy to print one of those colors wrong and ruin the design. <laughs> so, mm. like, if you imagine, yeah. let's just say that there was a design that had six colors in it and three of those colors were a flag, you know, the Irish flag, the French flag, the American flag, whatever flag has three colors. And one of them's a little bit off. It's going to look kind of silly, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And so the minimalism also comes from a place where we can, at this point that we can guarantee a really high quality print that will last for years and years that will be done right. It won't be crooked. It won't be smudged. It won't be the wrong color, you know, all these things. And so I tend to think of everything very uh, holistically, like, uh, you know, it has to be high quality. Again, it's the starting point for everything. So we could try a wildly different style where uh, maybe it's like hand illustrated or there's a lot of different colors or whatnot, but I can't guarantee that that will be the quality that people expect from us. Yeah. So there's multiple reasons, but those are a couple of the reasons why our designs tend to look the way they do. Love it. It's great. Um, is photogenic supply the only thing that you do for work? That's a good question. Uh, it currently is. Um, before the pandemic, I was doing a couple different things. I was doing some photo work uh, kind of here and there, um, paid photo work for various clients. And then I was also actually doing uh, consulting for small businesses. So I have a background in kind of like analyzing businesses and looking at numbers and also looking at the marketing and all these other things. And so I was doing some of that as well. And then of course the pandemic hit and uh, everything kind of changed completely. Um, and yeah. I actually decided to focus a hundred percent of my time on, on this. So actually since then I've been doing uh, photogenic supply for the full time. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That must feel nice. Yeah. It's great. And it also like, was able to do a lot more when I focused on it full time yeah. rather than doing it part time. 
I, I couldn't imagine doing so. I need something like that in my, I think, uh, I hate saying creatives or just people like us, you know what I mean? Yeah. That just <laughs> like thrive us. on art and creating and doing all that stuff. It's, it's definitely a dream, I'm sure, for more than just me to run a business doing something that you, you love. I mean, do you have any advice in chasing that kind of dream for people that are kind of scared to to take off in that direction yeah i mean look i'm i'm not going to pretend to like be the you know guru of the world who knows everything i think everyone's got their own situation and their own history and their own things they've tried and things they want to try i would just say my only piece of advice would be my approach is whatever you're going to do do it a hundred percent and so i found through trial and error that if you try to do too many different things at the same time you end up doing none of them very well yep and yep. so really if you can bring yourself to focus and spend the time and energy on one thing exclusively for a certain amount of time then you can get a lot further than you would otherwise and this doesn't mean like i think yeah. a lot of people are kind of asking themselves should i quit my job to do this thing or whatever and i don't think that's really the question i think I think what you should be doing, uh, which is what I should have done when I was younger, is is you know keep whatever job you need to pay the bills, and then spend 100% of your free time that you want to spend on this other project, and yeah. see how yeah. far you can get and see what you can do. And a lot of times it takes a really long time to get something off the ground. I mean that's just how it works, right? I, I think we all have visions in our head of, uh, you know, you're going to do something and it's going to take off overnight and then you're going to be famous and happy. <laughs> but like, yeah. that's not, <laughs> that's not never how it works. Right. I mean, uh, nah. so mm-hmm. if you can keep yourself alive and pay the bills doing something that you can do while at the same time spending your free time on some creative project that makes you happy, I think that's the best of both worlds. Um, and then if you're get the point to the point in your art, artistic or creative journey where you can dedicate a hundred percent of your time to it. That's wonderful, right? Like that's, that means that you've gotten somewhere where you've honed your craft and you're proud of what you're doing and happy with it. And you know, it's at the level where you should charge what you can charge. You know, this is a whole different topic, right? Like what should you charge for your work and all that stuff. I'm not diving into that. I'm just saying a lot of us and, and no one's like ever done their journey, right? Like you keep learning and growing forever. But a lot of us know, like photographers do say this all the time. Like I look back at the pictures I took 10 years ago and I'm like, look, what is that garbage? Right? Like, (laughs) and so the, the, the plus side of that, of course, is that now you're at a point where you realize that you're much better than you were. Um, yeah. and therefore, yeah. you know, your time and energy and creative energy is worth more than it was. And I think everyone goes through that. Every creative person goes through that process. So I guess what I'm saying is find a way to pay the bills until you get to the place where you can do creative stuff a hundred percent of the time and still pay it. the bills. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the 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 funny part is is people think that it's like I'm gonna quit everything and my <laughs> little my little beanie knitting business is gonna <laughs> support my family, but you know, no, it takes work. Yeah, yeah. So, are you still doing? You said you were doing like teaching, like educating. Yeah. So before the pandemic, I would do one on one lessons um, for whatever digital cameras, uh, mirrorless. Uh, some people came with their phones. Some older clients would come and say, wow. "Hey, I just got a new phone. I want to know how to take bigger pictures with it." You know, some film people starting 
starting out with 35 millimeter SLRs and whatnot. Um, so I, I was doing that. And then, of course, pandemic hits and no one wants to be within 10 feet of you. So yeah. it's kind of hard <laughs> to do the one-on-one lessons. But I still do uh, monthly photo walks. So back in 2014, January 2014, I think was the first one, I started a club uh, called the Fairmount Photo Club here in Philadelphia because uh, I was living in Fairmount at the time, which is a neighborhood in Philadelphia. And uh, I, every single month for the past six and a half years, except for one of them got canceled one time. Oh, we've had a monthly photo walk um, where people meet up and we walk around and take pictures and I kind of do little sort of mini lessons and mini tutorials, uh, uh, different stops along the way. And so at this point, I've done hundreds of them. And it's pretty cool because uh, there's like a core group that has been coming for years and years. And then there's always, yeah. you know, new, <laughs> new people that, that come and discover it. And it's kind of, I mean, the focus is very much like a fun, casual way to walk around, meet other photographers, take some interesting pictures, discover new neighborhoods of Philadelphia, uh, and, you know, get some tips and tricks from other people. And we have all sorts of, I mean, we have people who literally, you know, bring their phone because that's all they have. And they're kind of just getting into being more serious with taking better pictures on their phone. And then we have retired professional photographers who are like, you know, I shot for whoever for 30 years and now I'm done and I'm just hanging out and having fun. Uh, and so we have all sorts of different levels and it's really just, uh, it's definitely helped me realize that like photography can be a lot about the community as well as about the craft itself. And so, yeah, we've been doing photo walks for seven years now and we're still going strong every month. We have a a walk in a different part of the city. The one great thing about Philadelphia is that it's like basically a city of, of small walkable neighborhoods. And so you can pick any one of the, whatever it is, 15, 20 different neighborhoods, and we rotate through them and we try to find new ones too. But um, it's fantastic because you can get all sorts of different photos um, just in one place, which is nice. Yeah, that that's inspiring because I, I really need to I want to do something like that here because the more and more I run into people, I, I'm finding out that they shoot, you know, not not necessarily film, but I would love to to have a little a little community, especially around here because it's I'm on the outskirts. I'm about an hour and a half away from you. And it's it's pretty pretty lonely yeah. out in these parts. <laughs> <laughs> I miss being close to a city. Yeah, well, two things. First of all, you're always welcome to join us on a photo walk. So if you're ever Definitely. in Philly, you should do it. And then the second thing I want to tell you is the very first um, photo walk I, I led back in January 2014, there was about four people that came. And as I like to tell people, none of them came back to the second one. (laughs) But but I kept doing them. I kept doing them. And every month there was new people. And, uh, you know, at some point the the group, it's on Meetup, and the Meetup group had reached like uh, 1,200 members, which was kind of nuts. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I had seen like a lot of people over those years. Uh, But then I, I converted it to like a membership group because I wanted people to be kind of a little more committed. A lot of those members yeah. had come by once or twice and then they had moved away from Philly, but they were still members, you know. And so now it's about 80 or 90 people or so who are you know, committed monthly members who show up uh, pretty frequently. So I would, I would advise you that, you know, start a photo group, a photo walk, whatever it is, but just know that you probably have to do it for a little while before you, you know, find your, your people. Makes sense. Do you uh do you ever get back in the dark room anymore, or is that something of the past? Uh, sadly, I haven't been in the dark room in a while. Um, 
here in Philly, there's a couple, there's like maybe two com- small community dark rooms. Oh, cool. And actually one of them opened recently. So there's, there's really not that much available in terms of developing in my own house. I have little kids and a very small house. Um, and those <laughs> two things and chemicals are not compatible. <laughs> so unfortunately, I just I get don't it, have yeah. the room or the kind of safety precautions in place to make sure a two year old doesn't drink any developer. <laughs> don't scare yeah. me so <laughs> i haven't been able to be in a dark room in a few years but i definitely miss it and there's i mean not you know this is cliche but there is absolutely something magical about being in a dark room and seeing the image you know appear on the paper and it's something that everyone should experience at some point in their life if they haven't definitely yeah but yeah I'm definitely hoping to someday get back into one yeah i was just curious i didn't know if you still still dabbled <laughs> yeah what what i do is um i shoot a lot of film these days and i have a local lab uh, uh, called Photo Lounge that I've um, worked with for a number of years, and they do a really good job. They actually are the only um, lab that has survived in Philadelphia during kind of like wow. the death of film. Uh. They've been open for about 20 years now, and they're still processing film. And so I get all my film uh, processed there. And I was scanning it myself on like a flatbed scanner. And I mm-hmm. did that for a couple of weeks before I wanted to shoot everyone around me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I almost yeah. threw it out the window because I was so frustrated mm-hmm. with how slow it is. Um, but I'm actually planning to start scanning my own negatives with like a sort of like a negative supply type setup. Um, oh, uh, cool. you know, it seems to be the way these days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I haven't tried every possible option, but I remember when people were using, you know, pack-on scanners and they were going for $1,200 or something. Jeez. It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't even do that great of a job. And it's like, I don't know. We, we definitely needed a better solution. And so it's great to see that there's people out there and companies out there that are coming up with, with new modern solutions because it's a huge problem. Yeah. I mean, I have probably a couple hundred rolls that I want to scan that I'm definitely not going to do on a flatbed scanner <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, no matter how much free time I have, I will not sit on the flatbed yeah, scanner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so I'm actually really excited about more efficient and higher quality ways of, of doing that stuff. So Awesome. I'm curious as to what if the labs are going to be upping their prices now that the price of film's going up again. I wonder, does that does that happen? I've never used a lab, so I have no idea. Like, do lab prices go up when film goes up or no? I don't know because, you know, I haven't run a lab myself, but I, I know that, you know, the, the film film prices is one thing, but then the chemistry is, is a lot of what yeah. they have to deal with. And so I think there's been issues wide, from what I hear from my friends in the business, like there's been just widespread unavailability of all sorts of things that's causing yeah, issues. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, uh, can they up their prices? Are they going to? I don't know. I mean, obviously, at some point, you're not going to pay like $25 a roll to have something developed. <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, I, so I don't know what they're going to do. I, the upcoming, you know, Kodak, uh, what is it, is going to raise their prices by whatever, 20% or something in January. That's 15 or 20%. Yeah, that's yep. pretty wild. I mean, on the one hand, I can understand if there, like, there has been a shortage and people haven't been able to get film. And so obviously something has to give. On the other hand, yep. you make it too expensive and at some point people give up and say, this is crazy. I can't be paying, you know, $12 for a roll of film just for the roll of film consistently every time yeah. it has to be. So 
you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that there's a lot more demand. There's a lot less supply. And unfortunately, we're yeah. all dealing with the repercussions of that. And I right. don't know if it's going to abate. I mean, I don't see why film would get less popular next year. Uh, no. You yeah. know, that's, yeah. so that's kind of scary because you're like, okay, the price is going up, but then there's still demand. So then what happens next, right? Like, right. I'm hoping that, you know, a lot of the film is, is made around the world and in different factories and whatnot, and the chemicals that are needed for it are made all over the world. So I'm hoping that in 2022, things normalize a little bit and there's greater availability of whatever it is that Kodak needs to make films so that they don't have to charge more for it. Right. The thing that got me, though, I don't know if you guys read the article, the Silver Grain Classics article yeah, about yeah. the whole situation. That was a good article. The thing that, that got me was that, you know, when the digital thing was going so hardcore, they were selling film at bottom of the barrel prices and we got used to buying it at such cheap prices because they, they weren't making making any returns on it they were just selling it to get some money yeah. in the door and i and i see that working for a small business i see how we do that like our rental system is barely is just a way to get instruments out the door and a little bit of money coming in and it's all it's it's basically a loss and i i feel bad because i'm i'm i haven't been getting angry about it it seems like there's a lot of fueled flames online and i'm not getting i'm not touching that conversation <laughs> just because like like i said to chris the other day if a roll of 35 millimeter film was a hundred dollars i would still buy it like yeah. you i bought polaroid film i spent some crazy money on some stuff that you can't get your hands on anymore because i love it that much you know what i mean it's it's chris you've said it. it's like putting gas in your car yeah. it's like it's like buying a loaf of bread you know what i mean it's something that there that i always need yeah. To have. So it just, I don't know. It scares me, though, because I don't want people to get their pitchforks and, and torches out and try to go after these companies that are just trying to be companies. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think it's hard. I, I mean, know. there's a, so much uncertainty in the world in a lot of different industries um, about what's happening right now, what's going to happen, where are things going to, quote, normalize. Uh, and I don't think anyone knows, right? It's impossible to know. I think it's impossible. All yeah. we can hope for is that the price increases lead to sustained capacity investments, right? Like hopefully Kodak takes the money that they're making from the extra film and, and builds a bigger factory or adds another line or whatever yeah. it is they need yeah. to do so that there's more film available, you know, a year from now rather than less. Um, right. so, and, and, you know, I mean, they're, they're making film is really hard, as as anyone who's read about it knows. And so, I hope that these companies keep investing in that rather than mm -hmm. not, because then we'll end up in a worse situation. I mean, keep in mind, film did almost die, right? At some point, right. there was oh, yeah. they were right. losing so much money on it that many companies. I mean, ever heard of Agfa? You know, they're not around anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, we're lucky to have what we have. And I think it makes sense for people to be upset, but we also want. I mean, ultimately, what we all want is a healthy ecosystem where there's manufacturers making stuff and people buying it and using it and everyone can do what they want to do. And we yeah. also have to remember that Kodak has brought back film stocks 
that were discontinued. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I don't, I mean, Fujifilm is just, you know, killing them off left and right and, and obviously doesn't care. So <laughs> That's sad. I like, I try to remember those things. Like, you know, they brought back two stocks that didn't, that mm-hmm. they had to get rid of, you know? So it's like, there's a balance and I, you know, there's things that are out of their control that we don't know about and all this stuff. And it's easy to get mad at a big corporation, but it's like I said, it's like I've said, I have to get gas. I have to get film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, what do you have? Is there anything in the pipeline you want to talk about, Pano? Is there any uh, um, stuff to be excited about yeah, for, for absolutely so for, th- for the future? Yeah. So just for those who have been following us for a little while and kind of wonder why we always end up launching everything at the end of the year, the answer is because we're, we're trying <laughs> to design stuff and make things throughout the year and we launch things here and there. Um, but especially this year, everything just ended up being so delayed. I mean, even our local uh, embroiderers and printers and whatever were backed up with stuff and ended up, you know, delaying the delivery of a lot of things. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that this year, things ended up taking even longer than they normally would. And so we have a lot of yeah. product launches in the next couple months before the holidays yay, because, yay. because of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I can... I can show you one of them. I know that you know listeners won't be able to uh, see it, but we're coming out <laughs> with a coloring book, which is such a good idea. Which sounds weird, but basically, uh, and it's hard to show you, but it's thirty different like individual illustrations about um, photography. Uh, some of them are from our T-shirt designs, and some of them are new ones that we've made. Um, but it's like it's an adult coloring book, and what that means. Is it, the content is not adult content. It, mean, it means yeah, that yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's for adults. So it's a little yeah. more refined and a little more kind of meant to help you relax. There's like a yeah, yeah. kind of a Stress category of, my mom, yeah, Zen my coloring mom books. It. Exactly. And so. Yeah. And she was like, I have an adult coloring book. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I realize it's not a good She's name like, it helps you relax. It. I'm like, what does? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, but so coming out with that soon, we're actually now um, with a local printer and man that's exciting fun. i need one of those yeah yeah that's yeah i'll have to send you guys one there i'm kind of excited about it. it's pretty cool i mean every illustration there's 30 different illustrations that we made and each one has kind of like a little story about it and how we came up with it and what it refers to because these this spans like the past six years of coming up with designs and so uh, we've done a bunch of different collaborations with different people and kind of gives the background of where they came from uh, so it's kind of interesting. And, you know, like most things we wanted to, like everything we make, we wanted it to be high quality. So we spent a lot of time picking out cover stocks and talking to the printer about what ink is going to work on this cover stock and, and what uh, weight paper to use on the inside so that it's perfect for coloring and doesn't bleed through and all these different things. So, so I'm excited about it. It's almost ready. It's been like several months in the making. Um, but that's one thing I can tell you about. And then there's, a bunch of other things that we're also going to be launching, some of which we already have ready. And I, frankly, I just need to take pictures of them and put them on the, on the website. <laughs> um, and then a few things that are like being produced right now that I'm hoping will come in soon. But that's another point I just wanted to make. So if you go to the website, you know, photogenicsupply.com, uh, all the pictures you see on there are pictures that I've taken myself. So uh, I feel like cool. most people don't necessarily – realize that because most websites aren't all photographed by one person but (laughs) um, so we design everything you know we test it we prototype it we make it and then we photograph it and do everything so i think people who have ordered from us uh 
you know, know that because everyone gets a handwritten little note in their box yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. saying thanks for ordering. And so, so anyway, that's, that's just a, uh, so as soon as I have time to photograph some of these new things that we have, um, we'll be putting those out there as well. But there are several new things coming out in the next like two months. Man, that's exciting. Congrats. Yeah. Um, and actually it's probably a good time to mention the coupon code. Um, yeah. so I have a special coupon code for you guys and your listeners. So if you just go to the website and put in analog talk at the checkout, just one word analog talk, you'll get 20% off your first order. A little way of saying things guys for you know collaborating with us on the t-shirts we made earlier this year and then also thanks to all the listeners for, for listening in and uh you know give us a try and i'm pretty sure you won't be disappointed because 99.8 nope. <laughs> of people are not disappointed with us so. no we've talked about how comfortable the shirts are and i'm wearing the, the new crew neck which is like such a high quality sweatshirt like i wasn't expecting it to be this like, <laughs> heavy dude it's like this is gonna be my my sweatshirt for the whole winter like just you must see me in it all the time yeah yeah and, and that's honestly that's our philosophy is always i mean ideally uh everyone that opens a box from us around the world wherever they are they're surprised by how nice it is that's kind of yeah. the goal always and it i mean it seems to be working because at this point we've shipped out several thousand shirts around the world the last count i think we had shipped to 38 countries, um, wow. which is pretty cool. I actually have a fun story. So a couple of years ago, we got an order from uh, Reunion Island, and I didn't know where that was. I had to look it up. It's like a tiny island. In, I think it's like a former or maybe even current French territory oh, wow. somewhere in the South Pacific, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, there's, there's t-shirts and hats and and all sorts of stuff we've made all over the world, even in places that I don't know where they are. <laughs> now that's a good feeling. I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> that's why every time I look at our like analytics on our on our thing and seeing the countries where our episodes have been downloaded just blows my mind. I'm like, Iraq? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That's cool. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll be right back with the listener question for Pano right after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk comes from Polaroid. Use the promo code ANALOGTALK10 on your first purchase on film at Polaroid.com. Just wanted to pop in quick and let you guys know about our Patreon-only Develop and Hang Nights. We've done a bunch already. They're a ton of fun. We develop some film. We talk shop. We laugh. Tips and tricks. Hanging out. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, we've done a bunch already. Patreon is the best way to help support the show. Sounds like something you're interested in? Head over to Patreon.com slash ANALOGTALK. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Ben from In an Instant. Love you, buddy. And he <laughs> wanted to know, are there any genius designs you've thought of but avoided due to copyrights? I love this question. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, Ben is great. I've actually um, I've actually messaged with him on Instagram and had sent him an unlaunched design to give feedback on. So I kind of wonder if he's. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> love it. But um, the the short answer is from the beginning we were very clear in our approach that we wanted all our designs to be as original as possible, and so. It's easy to take a brand name and change the colors or change the font or whatever and kind of yeah. play around with that yeah. stuff. And we never did that. We always stayed away from that. 
partially because uh, we wanted to, uh, you know, avoid any potential problems, but also because we wanted to be known for our own thing rather than for kind yeah. of variations of someone else's thing. And so I guess the short answer is no. Um, there haven't been any designs where we said, oh, you know, we could do that, but it, we'd have a problem with, you know, whoever, because we don't even start like that. We start completely from scratch always. Right. And try to come up with a way to create a visual representation of a concept from scratch. That's good. Because, I mean, originality is, is is king when it comes yeah. to stuff like that. Plus, I think that's like what we talked about, like attributes to why everybody loves your stuff. It's because it's original. Yeah. 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 Great question, yeah. Ben. Yeah. Good answer, too. <laughs> good answer. All right. Now, I'm sure you know about this segment of the show. It is our... Uh, we, we kind of did a t-shirt design around <laughs> around this whole thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is great. I'm glad we get to ask you this after all the all the stuff we've been through together. <laughs> um, all right. So it is the, the Desert Island camera, the one you can't live without. It's it's uh, your ride or die. What is it going to be and why? Yeah, well, um, I think it's going to be the, the obvious choice, which is the camera that's been by my side for the past 25 years, which is uh, my grandfather's Canon A1. Nice. I mean, for, you know, th- there's obvious sentimental reasons for that. Um, uh, my grandfather's no longer around, um, and it's a, a connection I have uh, with him. But also, it's like the film camera I'm most comfortable with after so many years of using it and, and yeah. shooting on it. I love it, and uh, I am very happy with the photos I get from it. Um, so, yeah, that would have to be it. It's such a good camera, too. Yeah, that's, that's, you one, had that, right? Yeah, well, it, it was one that I, I ended up, I think I gave it to somebody as like a welcome to film photography. It was a gift that I gifted out to somebody that I hope they're still shooting. You know, I don't care if they got rid of it or whatever, but I just <laughs> hope that they, you know, because they were really interested, asked me a ton of questions, and I was just like, here you go. Like, take wow. this and, and do something <laughs> with it. Because I have 400 cameras, yeah, and I don't yeah, know what yeah. to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, great answer. I love that. I love, I wish I had one of those. Every time I hear the, you know, my mom's or my grandfather's or my, I wish I had one of those because I, we just didn't have cameras when I was, I mean, we did, but they were always like, you know, the junky little click, 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 snap, (laughs) you know what I mean? Just not, nothing that was going to last the test of time, like a a beefy Canon A1. All right. So part two, Mm -hmm. the white whale. Is there anything that you, you know, you've always wanted and you didn't have or you had and you kind of let it go or, you know, it, what what camera are you lusting after? Yeah, I mean, I have I first wanted to start shooting medium format back in college like 20 years ago. And I never did it because I was really broke at the time. And um, what a, a broke college. <laughs> yeah, broke, yeah, broke, yeah. Broke yeah. college. Okay. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> And it was like, I forget what it was. It was like, I don't know, 300 bucks or something to get into medium format mm-hmm. photography. And I was like, yeah, I cannot afford that. And yeah, so yeah. I've kind of wanted to get into medium format for like 20 years and never actually been able to do it. So I think for me, it would probably be like a um, RB67 would be the white whale camera. It's uh, I hear a lot of great things about it. Um, I've kind of held a couple of my hands and I really like them. Uh, of course, now they're a lot more than 300 bucks. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it's still kind of unaffordable <laughs> for me, but uh, someday I hope to to get one and be able to use it. And, uh, you know, f- 
for me, it, I, it, it would be the kind of thing where I would get one and then I would have it for the rest of my life. Um, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I swear I'm getting buried with mine. The whole kit, like both backs, the lenses I have, it's all going in the, in the box with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great camera. Great answers. Yeah. Great answers. Yep, yep. Pano, this has been wonderful finally getting, like I said, getting you to chat with us. Where, where can everybody check out you and Photogenic Supply? Yeah, sure. So I uh, don't really post that much um, online anymore because I've been focusing the past couple of years 100% on on the business. Um, so I would just say all of uh, my creative energy and time goes into Photogenic Supply, which is at photogenicsupply.com and also on Instagram at photogenic underscore supply. Uh, and uh, we also have a TikTok recently. Uh, <laughs> that's Ooh, been cool. kind of interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say the website and then Instagram. And then we have a newsletter where we launch most of our new things on first. So uh, if you go to the website, you can sign up for the newsletter and find out new things come out Sweet. amazing timothy where are you guys head over to instagram it's at timothy makeups i'm under that handle on twitter too i've actually been using twitter a little bit more than yeah, i have well finally. actually i haven't used instagram in like six months so um i also make some or made some youtube videos easiest <laughs> way you can find those is just go to the search bar and type in timothy makeups that's it for me chris where are you so i'm crispy photo on twitter instagram and youtube we're analog talk pod on twitter analog talk podcast on instagram and we have a facebook page and a group you can like and join and all the things mm -hmm. and that's it for us Panel, this was amazing. I'm so glad we actually got to do it. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate it. It's lots of fun, and I'm a huge fan of what you guys are doing and promoting uh, same, analog photography, same, so same. keep it up. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. First off, Kristen, I would like to thank Pano for coming on the show. We totally, totally love what you're doing with Photogenic Supply. It was great to have you on finally, to hear your story, to get the background, to get the juice. It's such a fun time. Pano, we, we appreciate all you've done for us, and we're so thankful for you coming on the show. This was awesome. Guys, this is going to take us to Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk for only a buck. You can get the show two days early. We also have a bunch of other stuff over there. Like I said before, we have the develop and hang night. We're just going to be rolling out Patreon exclusive content, all kinds of fun stuff. And Patreon is the best way. It's the best way to support the show. Hands down. And for the Patreons that already help support the show, guys, we do not know what we would do without you. You make this possible, and we appreciate each and every single one of you. Also wanted to throw out there, in the show notes will be a link to our holiday 4x6 print exchange. We do it every year. Feel free to sign up. It's a ton of fun. It's a, it's a great way to just, you know, share your work with the community. Again, the links will be down below. That's going to be it for this week. Guys, until next week, we will see you soon. Keep shooting all that fun stuff. Love you guys. Later. <laughs>